What's up, everybody? It's the front office. I'm your host, John Hagel. I got my guy, you know, Eric Crocker in the building. Uh, Locked on Network's finest. Uh, <laughs> Frontline sports, uh, sports performance, all that good stuff. You know, he, hey, the entrepreneur, you know, watching this guy the last couple of years, you know, do his thing has been been really dope. And right now he's taking over Locked on 49ers, Locked on NFL Draft. Um, you can check him out on all those. YouTube, Eric Crocker, Croc Time, you on Instagram, all that good stuff. But a uh, good friend of mine, my 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 brother in this NFL draft stuff and in this football community anyway, just want to bring him on the show. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a little discussion about a couple prospects and whatnot, and we're going to go from there. Yeah, it's been it's been good. Like, you know, obviously I, I've had my growth in, in the different things that I'm doing, but we're, we're kind of in the same spaces in the sense oh, of, yeah. you know, training athletes, you know, talking yeah. about draft prospects and, you know, guys that played the game and yeah. how we have a, you know, kind of a unique perspective on the prospects. And I think that's what really helps people uh, be drawn to a lot of our, our content that we put out. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's how it started here. We we just went from basically just talking our trash or, or talking whatever on Twitter. You know, it, it's I think a lot of people don't understand it. It's like I said a minute ago off camera We're we're fans of the game more than anything so yeah. like when i go post a clip of a guy talking about you know this or i may send a dm to a random high school kid or a college player or somebody like that and just giving him a little little notes and stuff like that i feel like we've been doing that for years and that was something you did with me the first time we talked uh you know just just giving me that little little boost before i went out to la and whatnot and i was like oh man that's cool because we, we used to argue with our guy adrian about minka and derwin and i think yeah. that's how it started yeah that's how it started and who's uh, the better player to- right now they're both great. They're both great football players. Hey, they, I mean, they, I, hey. I, I don't it's think so, you can go wrong. Yeah, it's so tough because, you know, Derwin, Derwin took off year one. And then Minka was in a, in a horrible situation in Miami. But then they traded him. It was like, okay, well, Derwin got hurt. And then Minka, Minka ascended to, like, top of the top. Now, he, he is the highest paid safety in the NFL. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, but yeah, no, it was just stuff like that. And I think we're, we're fans of the game. And I just wanted to, you know, get you on and, you know, talk about some of these top prospects and, and talk about some of the stuff you got going on, some of your personal DB fly. I'm a DB coach. You were a DB coach uh, and whatnot. And you still work with DBs. Uh, and, and, obviously, you know, I'm always going to gonna dip my hand in that cup and, and try to, you know, hear your hear your philosophies on that. But, um, you know, let's 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 jump into this draft talk a little bit, man. We, we got a couple top guys that, you know, I really want to talk about before the season got there. And I know everybody knows who these guys are. Um, but I just wanted to hear your input, your analysis, and, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, get my, my, hear your opinion about, you know, QB1 to start off. Uh, and I think a lot of people's eyes, in my opinion right now, uh, man, I like the top of the draft class, and there's a lot of different opinions out there. But this guy's a wizard. Um, but Bryce Young, quarterback for Alabama, University of Alabama. Uh, what are your thoughts on Bryce Young as a player right now? I think one of like my first notes, and obviously you know who these players are. We've watched them several times on national television live. Mm-hmm. But when you go back into the film and you evaluate guys as a prospect, it's a little different, right? And you, yep. you know the talent that they possess. So actually my first time really kind of just watching him from a perspective uh, standpoint was last night, getting ready for this mm-hmm. show. So uh, the thing that jumped out to me first and like my first note is skinny Russell Wilson. And you call him a wizard. <laughs> And yeah, San Francisco yeah. 49er fans, that, that's what I am. I cover the 49ers. I've been watching them for years. Well, I also had to watch Russell Wilson terrorize the 49ers. <laughs> and Bryce Young, just the way that he played, there's a there's a lot of Russell Wilson to his game, a lot of uh, improvising. You know, there was one mm-hmm. play where he broke a couple of tackles in the pocket, 
started scrambling up forward, and then somebody started closing in on him, and then he pitched the ball behind him. Yeah. Like, he's doing this against Georgia. And I'm like, man, yep. like this is like the best, scariest defense in all of college mm -hmm. football, and you still have the awareness and the confidence to do some wizard type stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, he's clearly just a little different. So uh, that was definitely something that stood out right away where I'm like, man, skinny Russell Wilson. Do you see some yeah. of those same uh, oh, oh, yeah. skill sets? Yeah, no, 100%. When you, when you talk about, like, especially the modern quarterback, the, you have to have the mobility, and you look at all the top guys, they all can move, right? Um, and I, I know, what was it, George? I think they they called him the gingerbread man. Um, wow. And so run, run, run fast. You can't, can't catch the gingerbread man, right? Catch the gingerbread man is what they were saying in preparation for the national championship. He brings such a such a, a uncanny ability to get away and make plays. And we're not even talking about just his passion because he can sling the football. But his ability to evade pressure, uh, move around, extend plays, keep his eyes downfield because he runs to pass. You know, some guys run to run. He runs to pass. And, and that's what I really like about Bryce Young as a player um, because he can extend those plays. He is a very good athlete, but he's not trying to go out there and rush for 100 yards, even though I think he probably could if he wanted to. You know, good athlete, not elite. But very, very good, and they say he's one of the best basketball players on their team. If apparently, so if you can hoop, I feel like you're you're a decent football. You you gonna be a decent football player. Uh, but Bryce Young brings he brings that extra element to the game that I think every NFL team needs now. When you look at the downsizing of the linebacker position, how fast these edge guys are getting, how athletic that they're getting, you have to have a guy that can move around in the pocket. And I'm not just saying like a Tom Brady move, Peyton Manning move. I'm talking about. Like you said, a Russell Wilson, you have to have that type of ability. And, and and then when you talk about his throwing ability, I love his throwing motion. It's a whip-like throwing motion, right? So he brings that to the table. Like, there's no question about his arm. I don't think he has a cannon, but I think it's it's strong. It's strong enough. You know, yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's Joe Burrow. You know, they kind of knocked him a little, a little bit stronger than Burrow, but it's not elite. It's not it's not high end arm talent, but I love that he gets the ball out fast. I love that he can drive the ball to all parts of the field, and I like the fact that he is or he does have that awareness to make those little pitchy plays, those 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 weird plays every now and then to keep defenses guessing. You you talked about a few things there, and one thing was you talked about uh, the the need to be able to make plays off script, right? And there's always mm -hmm. going to be a place for the Tom Brady's, the Drew Brees, hell, the the Mac Jones, right? Like that type oh, of quarterback yeah. who's yeah truly looking to make plays from the pocket. And the good thing about Bryce Young is while he does do the things, like you said, the gingerbread man, you know, run around, <laughs> make plays off script, do those things. He wants to play from the pocket first. And I do think yeah. that, you know, when you play at Alabama, you have a good offensive line and oh, they yeah. afforded him time to be able to scan the field. And a lot of times make the right decisions on where he was going with the ball. But even then I wanted to see like, man, can I, I need to see him in some chaos and how controlled mm -hmm. is he? And then he did, and he used his legs, and he ran for first down, and he'd do those things. So we're seeing more and more guys coming out now where they aren't looking to run. They're looking to yeah. run to make a throw, like run to yeah. pass, and if need be, okay, I need to take off for 15 yards or so. Like a lot of these guys have the ability to, and, and I think that's where it's like, why, why would you not want that type of yeah. quarterback I mean, behind center it, who can it's just help a plus. you? Right, he, he can – when you're wrong, he helps you be right, right? Yep. And, you know, I think there are a lot of people that kind of get offended when people are like, oh, you need a quarterback with a big arm and mobile and those things. And it's like, well, yeah, you don't necessarily have to have it, but it definitely <laughs> helps to have a quarterback like that. And, and I'm speaking from experience watching uh, the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. 
And Jimmy yep. Garoppolo does a lot of things like in the pocket very well. But mm -hmm. what about the times when, hey, man, I need you to move a little bit so you can step to the side, maybe help with the, the passing window. That's where, like, Brady excelled. He did those oh, things. Yeah. But then also, oh, man, somebody's trying to sack you. Okay, let me break out of that sack, spin that, uh, uh, that sack, spin out of there, and make a play on the move. That's not something that's going to happen every no. single play. But in the biggest of moments, when you need to do that, like, we saw Joe yeah. Burrow do that. And Joe Burrow, yeah, exactly. he doesn't have the biggest arm, right? You just talked about Bryce Young not having, like, mm -hmm. the biggest of arms. Bro doesn't have the biggest arm, but he has a big enough arm, which I think yeah. Bryce Young does as well. But also, Bryce Young has that Joe Burrow in him where when they were down against the Kansas City Chiefs and it's like, man, it's tight now, or maybe it was a tight <laughs> game, and I, I just had to make plays. Joe Burrow out there making guys miss, spinning crazy. Out of here, running for a first down. Like, you're doing everything you can to really help will your team to a victory, and I think Bryce Young has a lot of that. You talked about the arm strength. There were a few mm -hmm. things that I made note of. Uh, there was a, a far hash hole shot on a wheel. It was kind of like a wheel route where the guy kind of stopped in the hole. Like if he would have kept going, the safety had, yeah. had a good angle to get over top of it. The receiver kind of stopped. And from the far hash, he just put a ball on the line right there in between two guys. And to me, I'm like, wow, like that's a legit yeah. throw. Like those are the NFL type throws I want to see from him. Um, he had another one, a far hash slant where Jameson Williams kind of dropped it. But he kind of mm -hmm. had to like dive a little bit for it. But just to see that arm strength of like, man, I don't even have to put my whole body into it. Yeah, but just I'm it far hash. I could throw this uh, slant from damn near uh, the receivers lined up damn near on the numbers, and oh. I can still fire that in there with zip on, and it really be a legit drive throw. So I was very impressed with a lot of what I saw from him. The composure again, a little easier, you know, being under yeah, com yeah, yeah. having composure when you play behind the Alabama <laughs> offensive line. But even when it wasn't there, he still didn't look frantic and was able to make plays on the move. So I was, I was, I wasn't surprised by what I saw because these are some of the things I saw live, but just to mm -hmm. be able to see it from a broad view and how he's viewing the field and okay, I see, man, this guy's covered, this guy's covered, this guy's covered, you know exactly where your check down is and not have to panic yeah. in those moments either. I thought he did a really good job of that. Yeah. He consistently like one, one thing I always like to see, I like to see young quarterbacks check down. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one thing enough quarterbacks. I feel like they don't do. They always want to push the ball downfield, push the ball downfield, push, but Bryce Young, you see him throwing it to the tight end lot to Billingsley to the running backs all the time. Right. And I think, um, you know, one thing you touched on is, is those throws from the far hash, but I think Bryce Young, I think his velocity on short to medium passes is very high. Like he has a ton of velocity on those passes. He has a ton of zip on those balls. Uh, and, you know, he was a fun watch for me, for sure. Obviously, I'm an Alabama guy. grew up around there. Um, no guys, coach guys that play for him and whatnot. And so they're on there. But what are some things that you think Bryce Young needs to work on as a prospect, right? So we talked about, you know, it's a, it's a plus. It's a luxury if you have a guy that can do that. Maybe my offensive line isn't great. So, okay, so his mobility is there. The arm is there. So he's going to instantly make my team better. But what are some things that he needs to improve on that you saw? Those are things. See, I gotta, I gotta keep watching. I gotta look for mm -hmm. that, right? And I gotta maybe watch the national championship game again because, okay, man, yeah. I don't have Jamison Williams now. He's hurt. I don't have John Mechie. So that's a game where I have to go back and see, man, where did he get in a little bit of trouble? Because I, I felt like, again, watching it live, and I haven't went back and watched that game. I watched yeah. the national, uh, the the SEC championship game, mm -hmm. where it was Georgia versus Alabama. I didn't watch yeah. the national championship game back yet, but I felt like, if I remember correctly, in that game. He had a little bit more pressure on mm -hmm. him. And yep. just trying to see how he handled that with some of the young receivers that they end up having to put out there, that's a game I really want to watch. And maybe yeah. like the Auburn game. 
mm-hmm. everything didn't go his way in that one. It, you know, it took a, a late heroic effort to really pull yep. that game off. I remember um, John Mechie scoring the game-winning touchdown there after Jameson Williams was ejected. So I still have to, like, look for that. Overall, uh-huh. I've been impressed. Again, if, if you tell me right now, hey, you're getting Russell Wilson in this guy, skinny Russell Wilson, I'm comfortable with that, with whatever oh, the yeah. flaws are with that version of a quarterback, but right now I have to dive a little bit deeper to see, hey man, like how is this ball placement in tight mm-hmm. windows? Because that, yep. that's something I, I just haven't seen those type of throws yet. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, and I mean, we, we get that a lot, right? With Alabama, where uh, I think their coordinators and what they do to kind of get guys open in space, they do a terrific job oh, of yeah. that. And that's no knock on the, on the quarterback that he doesn't have to <laughs> attempt a ton of tight window type throws. Uh-huh. But, you know, those tight window throws, those layered throws, right? Where you have yep. to get it up over a linebacker and down before a safety. Like, those are the throws that I want to look for as well because so far a lot of what I've seen is him be accurate with the ball, but guys kind of open, selling in open areas and windows and him having the ability to hit those throws. Oh, yeah. No doubt. And that's one of the things that comes with, you know, playing at school like Alabama. You're going to have elite athletes. You're going to have players open. You know, all you got to do is make the layup sometimes. And I think he does a really good job of that. Um, Another guy that plays at a school, you know, that I want to mention, um, now I may butcher his last name. But uh, another guy that's in the kind of that similar situation is Jackson Smith. Nigba? Did Inj- I say it Injigma. right? Injigma. Injigma. Okay, Injigma. Yeah. Uh, so, so I hope he, I'm saying I, it right. That's what I heard yeah, you say I, on TV. So Yeah, so and I know a lot of times I know those guys, they mess it up too. But he's the guy that, that, that you know, I had to go back and watch. Obviously, I was a huge Gary Wilson fan. I was a fan of Olave, but I was a, I was a huge Gary Wilson fan. You know, and then he was my wide receiver one from beginning to end of the last process. Well, then this this young guy, you know, obviously talented receiver coming out of Texas, another receiver, they, Ohio State, and Brian Hartline grab out of Texas. He comes in, and you're hearing, man, he's different. He he's this, he's that. You know, solid build comes in. You know, he's probably going to come in roughly six foot ish. You know, 197, 200 pounds or so. Um, solid build on him, uh, but he just went off last year. You know, if I told you there was two first rounders last year and there was a sophomore that led them in receptions, yards, and, and, and caught for 300 yards in a bowl game. And you'd be like, oh, no, easy money, you know, first rounder, you know, first rounder. Well, this guy's going to have a chance to be the number one receiver for Ohio State next year. And I'm excited. You know, I was excited to dive into this film because I just didn't – I hadn't dove into it except for preparation for the show. What's some things that you saw from him uh, that, that that popped out on you, some pros, some cons to his game? All right, so so first, there's one thing that I have to touch on, and you you mentioned Brian Hartline, mm-hmm. and watching those guys, and I went back and I was watching uh, Jackson Smith and Jigma last night, and it was very clear, like they've been coached up extremely well. <laughs> like when yeah. when I like specific type of receivers, like I want the like the twitched up guys, explosive, mm-hmm. the guys running routes hard, you know, sailing the go route, stopping things like that. And when you watch Ohio State receivers, and everybody's going to talk about Garrett Wilson, they're going to talk about Olave. But when you watch all those guys and how the just bottom. they're all in unison, like the way they're just running every route hard, it kills me, man. I watch so many film where I'm like, man, guy took this rep off, or he's mm-hmm. not really selling the go route, and you could just tell, like you know, and you don't want to knock any coaches at the Division One level or any coaches yeah. in general, because maybe they've been trying to get through to a guy and they haven't been able to. But whatever Brian Hartline is doing to get through to these receivers at Ohio State, he's doing a tremendous job of oh, that. They're all amazing. doing that, and not just that. Whatever he's doing to motivate them to block, and that was one of my first notes with Jackson Smith and Jigma. 
uh, there was a game I was watching, and early on, the first two or three plays or whatever, they mm-hmm. they were running some screens to receivers on the outside, and he had to block, you know, and he's primarily yep. a slot receiver. And, I mean, he was blocking his ass off, man. And it was <laughs> exciting to see that where he's not giving up until that whistle was blown. And I mm-hmm. think that's a huge estimate to, or a testament to Brian Hartline and, and his coaching and getting these guys to all really buy in and be unselfish. So, uh, unselfish person, that was one of the yeah. first things I saw because his willingness to really block for his brothers out there. Uh, he was more – and, again, I watched – we talked about watching Joey Porter Jr., and yep. I remember there was a play in that game where he got ran down by Joey Porter Jr. And I'm like, man, yeah. it feels a little faster. Man. You know, you, you talk about those guys that are, you know, low four fours and so and, and you don't gotta be the, you don't have to be a blazer. You don't. Yeah. But a blazer scores in that situation, right? hundred percent. So I, I, I noted that I don't think he's a blazer. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he has to be. This is a guy that's very fluid. He's twitched up. I, I thought he was much more fluid and more twitched up than I remember watching him kind of live. Same. Uh his ability kind of settle in soft spots and then just really like the toughness. We talked about him blocking, but mm-hmm. slant routes. I, I watched him run a slant and he's running right into tr- trouble. I know he can feel it. He got two guys barreling down from him in both angles. Didn't matter. Caught the ball, turned up field, took the mm-hmm. hit. And I was like, okay, like his mind is right. Uh, you know, and that's going to really be beneficial in the NFL because the, the windows are smaller. There's not as much space. Like you're going to be covered more times than not. That was a big issue with Jerry Judy when he was coming out, where he played a lot in the slot. And I mean, he's a terrific route runner, terrific. Mm -hmm. But when those bodies were around him, I'm like, man, he's peaking. He can feel that, and And you know he feels it because he's dropping the ball left and right. Like anytime there's a body around him, and. I didn't get that sense from Jack, Jackson Smith and Jigman. So that was one thing that really stood out, like the toughness, the fluidness, uh, mm-hmm. uh, to understand like the timing and how he has to be there. So he didn't waste time at the line of scrimmage. He's beating guys off the line. And there are a lot of times where, you know, he's playing against uh, a coverage and the guys are off. And it's like, man, I got to yeah. get to that right behind that guy and get my head around. And, and he'd get there quick, dip his shoulder, get skinny, get behind mm-hmm. that guy, then boom, the ball is on him from C.J. Stroud. And he's catching it. I was just like, man, I was just very impressed with the details that you could tell, like, his coach is instilling in him and in him mm-hmm. having the ability to really carry out that. But going back to the, the Utah game, where obviously, I mean, he went crazy. Still, and I remember some people being like, oh, he's tired. He got like 200 yards or whatever, you know, because he got ran down like once Mm -hmm. or twice or whatever. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll give him a pass. But again, now I've seen it in other games where he's not a blazer. But again, he doesn't have to be. He's tough. He's almost like a better prospect version of like Juju Smith. That's kind of what I'm seeing a little okay, bit. Okay, okay. I don't I know if he has there. a contested catch ability, but I know he has great ball tracking skills. Again, that's yep. something else I saw in the Utah game where, you know, quarterback was on fire, right? C.J. Stroud mm-hmm. was on fire, throwing the ball uh, in outside over the shoulder. Boom, oh, track it tracking. in, catch it with bodies around him. Saw him do that in other games as well. The ball tracking skills are terrific. The, um, the concentration is terrific. Uh, there's a lot to like about him. Again, Yep. Not a blazer. Don't think he has to be. I just want to see, like, can he win the same way he wins in the slot? And again, mm-hmm. you have some favorable matchups in the slot, playing against maybe linebackers, maybe, you know, nickel guys that maybe aren't as twitched up or, or as fast, uh, safeties, having them out yep. in space. Can he have the same type of success on the outside to where now it's like, okay, you are a legit 
wide receiver one type guy or is it like mm -hmm. no you're always going to be a slot receiver which is fine Yep. But it just limits a little bit of what you could do at the next level. So uh, can he win on the outside vertically uh, and just kind of run by guys? Does he have that in his bag? If he does, we're talking about a guy who is potentially the first receiver off the board. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. So like I, uh, a lot of the things that, that, that you noted were some things that stood out to me as well. I put elite ball tracker. I put route salesman. You know, those are things that his game, you know, he's a very well-coached and developed receiver um my question would be one do you think his ceiling is so we saw a bigger receiver go off the board first this year with drake london right or we he was first receiver off the board right yeah right big but, overall to the atlanta falcons yeah but jackson smith new jibba isn't six five 215 so the question is what is his ceiling as a prospect my question personally because i personally think he's going to be a very good very good wide receiver two or three in the nfl and i'm, I'm talking about very productive i think he comes in day one he's going to be a starter i think he's going to do very very well but i don't think he'll ever be the wide receiver one for an nfl team and that's just because like i said i don't know how he can win vertically uh and every every and it's not necessarily that you got to be a blazer, but every one of those top guys, I feel as if they can. I don't know if he has the ability to separate down the field against those guys. Now, uh, his 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 ability to sit in zones, his football IQ, I think that stuff is elite. Like he's a great football player, and he does that consistently. Um, but my thing is, what do you think his ceiling is? Man, that's tough because I, I try not to put ceilings on athletes because I feel like mm -hmm. they always are out to kind of prove us wrong. But one hundred percent, I will say. You're, you're spot on with that, and he's going to have to figure out, you know, how to overcome that, right? And, and that's mm -hmm. what the great ones do. Yeah. Uh, they have these maybe, quote-unquote, limitations, and they figure mm -hmm. out how to work around that and still be highly successful, you know, with that. Or maybe turn that, quote-unquote, weakness into a strength or just yeah. make it to where it doesn't matter, right? Uh, we just watched Michael Thomas, who isn't the fastest receiver, and people call him Slant God or, mm -hmm. or Slant Boy, whatever they call him. <laughs> and they know he's going to run that damn slant, but it's like, bro, he caught like 150 passes. You can't stop it. You know, you, you can't stop it. Right. So so if you can, if you can like overcome that, which, gosh, man, Michael Thomas, where the hell is he? But man. if you can... If you can say, all right, maybe I'm not this, but I do this at an extremely high level to where I'm still a target hog, I'm still that wide receiver one on my squad, mm -hmm. then, you know, it, it won't matter that he just can't outrun a guy. And, you know, almost like, again, he's not 6'5", but let's say, this is tough because there's Jamar Chase and there's Drake London. Yep. And J J Jamar Chase isn't a great route runner. Yeah. Jamar Chase isn't a great separator. Yeah, but Jamar Chase mover. is extremely explosive downfield. And I was one of the guys who were like, man, like, is that being able to just outrun guys and bully guys at the top of routes? Like, is that going to translate to the mm -hmm. NFL very well? Or is he going to have some <laughs> troubles there? And there was a brief stint during the year, like a four or five game, uh, uh, four or five game kind of stint where he didn't go over 50 yards in, in like four or five straight games. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of it was teams were like, uh, man, you're just running by our guys and you're winning yeah. at the top of the route. You're strong at the top of the route. We're going to put two safeties back. And then yeah. are you going to still be successful? So that's when he started having some trouble a little bit. And then he figured out how to kind of overcome that, right, by just mm -hmm. going back to winning over the top somehow. I don't know how he did it, just lead <laughs> at it. Um, but he did it with speed and strength at the top of routes. Where Drake London, yeah. he can win vertically, but it ain't going to be with speed. It's going to be with mm -hmm. 
body positioning. So, hey, I can still throw a 30, 40 yard fade up to him, just like I can Jamar Chase. Chase might outrun a guy and then yeah. catch it and score, where London ain't going to outrun him, but his body positioning and his ball tracking skills are so great, it's not going to matter. So, Smith and Jigma, who's not 6'4, like mm -hmm. Drake London, but can he still win at the catch point? like somebody who's similar size as him, like Jamar Chase, even mm -hmm. if you're not going to outrun guys, but still be able to win with that positioning. So that's something where we're going to have to see if he can kind of overcome that to be a legit outside receiver. Well, I had an interesting comp. I, I, I was sitting there watching and it was random. I had an interesting comp. Uh, I don't do a lot of, of player comparisons. Uh, I like to have them just in case, but or if they pop up organically. One thing that popped up for me was when I was watching him, uh, I wrote in my notes, Antonio Brown. Mm. And and he was a guy, and I and I saw the way the way he catches. I think he has he does have, he is a natural pass catcher. When he needs to have high hands, he'll go get the football. But you see a lot of you know uh, a lot of you know body catches, kind of like AB used to do things like that. Real crafty inside. Um, you know their weights are about you know similar right now. AB played about one ninety eight ish, one ninety six in in the league. I know Jig and Jigba is probably going to be a little heavier, but the way they play was very similar, and I think. That's somebody that he needs to watch. Uh, he probably did. He, he grew up, you know, when when Antonio Brown was at the top of his his, his game. Um, so I wouldn't doubt if he's somebody that he pays attention to. But that was one guy that I, I think he draws comparisons to, you know, especially in college right now and the way he plays. Yeah, see, and A.B., and, and I like you said that because A.B. wasn't a first-round prospect, mm -hmm. second-round, third-round, fourth. He was like a fifth or sixth-round pick. Yeah, fifth, yeah, fifth like, round, yeah. So that just shows – that a guy and again he didn't play at Ohio State. He played at like Central Michigan or Central Western, Michigan, wherever yeah. the hell he played. Where did he play? Central Michigan. Right? I, I want to say it was Central, Central or wherever JJ Watt was. Um, oh, it, I hope I'm not butchering that. It may have been Central Michigan. It was something, something Michigan. like that. All right, somebody like, man, y'all both of y'all wrong. <laughs> but and that's crazy, right? Because you think of Antonio Brown, this dude. I think he's from like Florida or something like that. It's like, yeah. What the hell was he doing I, way yeah. up there wearing number 27 that receiver or whatever oh. number he was wearing? But um. You know, you can have your limitations and figure out how to how to overcome it. And a big part of what I think helped a guy like Antonio Brown, which is going to help a guy like Smith and Jigma, which I think helped a guy like Jamar Chase as well, mm -hmm. is who's throwing to you. And I yep. and I remember saying about Jamar Chase, man, it's going to take somebody that's comfortable making those mm -hmm. type of throws because he's not always open. But you just have to trust yep. him to come down with the ball, kind of like Tony Romo did with Des Bryant. And yeah. you know, I think with Antonio Brown, he went to a situation where obviously he's a great receiver, but man, I got Ben Roethlisberger throwing to me. Letting it fly. And he's letting it fly and he's putting balls on the money and he's a great <laughs> deep ball thrower and that helps. So Smith and Jigma as well, you know, if he is going to be a guy who, like Antonio Brown, is able to play all over the field, it's going to have to have that quarterback that really can like trust that when he, even when he's not open, he's still open and, and he's going to have to add that part to his game. So that's going to be something where I really zero in on this year and see mm -hmm. how does he win where he's not playing in a bunch of space, when he's not just selling in yep. open spaces, when, okay, he can win vertically on like slot phase, but can he play from the outside? Those are things I'm going to be yeah. uh, continuing to yeah. look out for this year. Uh, no doubt, especially when you're talking about can you wide receiver one. You know, that guy needs to be able to go out, and we need to be able to put him anywhere. He needs to be able to win. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to watch him this year. I'm excited to watch Ohio State. They got a couple guys. Um, I think Marvin Harrison uh, Jr. is going to have a huge year for them. Uh, I, you know, he's kind of kind of the forgotten guy there. Had a really good Who's bowl number game. four? Is, is that Fleming? I don't want to butcher it. That may be Julian Fleming. 
They got all these receivers, man. And that's the oh no, cool they're, thing they're loaded. Yeah. So that's Julian Fleming. Julian okay. Fleming, dude. So so he was a he was the number one receiver, I want to say in Jackson Smith class. Uh, I may be wrong, or the year after. I mean, like I said, Heartline, Heartline, he's stacking them up. He got two this year already. Like, it's literally a factory at this point. It's just five-star after five-star after five-star after five-star. But Julian Fleming, he's a dude, too. I think he's going to be uh, either their second or third receiver this year. I think he's going to have a good year as well. But um, now, so our next guy that I wanted to transition into is a corner. I saved the corners for last. Obviously, we're DB guys. Um Kelly Ringo out of Georgia, you know, national champion, pick six, all that good stuff. Big body, 6'2", 205, track background, you know, state champion Arizona, played at a powerhouse in Arizona high school, big-time prospect. What were some things that you saw out of him from watching film um, that that the that the listeners need to listen to, some pros and cons, all that good stuff? All right, so I, I'll start off – I mean, obviously, you typically want to start off with the good. I'll start off with the good. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to watch guys. I've only seen two games of them so far. I like to watch guys against the best competition, right? Because yeah. it's going to be more comparable to what he'll see week in and week out in the NFL. And I watched him against uh, Alabama. And you see him line up. One of the early snaps was in the slot against mm-hmm. Jamison Williams. And I thought the way that he was able to plaster to him and run with him on the slot fade, and there was zero separation zero panic, be able to squeeze him, get his head around. I was like, that's terrific. That's someone who trusts his speed. And then mm-hmm. I watched him against uh, John Mechie, and Mechie ran like a 10 to 12-yard stop route. And yeah. I always talk about something called dick to hip, right? And it's a guy, mm-hmm. you know, not getting too far upfield shoulder, can you stay on that hip to where it's like, hey, I want to force the fade ball because that's the lowest percentage pass a quarterback can attempt. So yep. I'm watching him against him and he's staying tight there so then on underneath which is you know that's the higher percentage throws right stop routes Mm -hmm. slants digs and breaking routes well he took away all that trusted his speed so it's like all right if he goes upfield i can turn it on and squeeze him to the sideline but underneath i'm gonna stay here addicted hip to where if he does sit his route down i'm gonna be right there and i thought he did a terrific job on that against john mechie so one of the first thing i noted was this is a guy that definitely trusts his speed he trusts his ability to be able to run vertically with receivers. So that was that was exciting to see. And then uh, I'm watching him on my man, you know, you talked about comparisons. And one of the things that jumped out to me right away was like, I'm watching Desmond Trufant again. Like, <laughs> and Trufant wasn't the most sudden or mm-hmm. twitched up guy. And I think Ringo is the same thing, but you know, as yep. you talked about 6'2", 205, like he has a lot of size. And, and I, yeah. I didn't know that because I don't, when I would go to watch their film, I don't, I don't look at their height or weight mm-hmm. or anything. I try to let the film kind of talk to me on what this guy is and what he isn't. Because if I go in yeah. there knowing like, okay, 6'2", 200 pounds, like <laughs> I'm going to expect him to move a certain way. And yeah. then I'm going to kind of like tag him with that. So I don't want to do that. But I like what it. I saw matched with what you say his height and weight is. So not as sudden. I think he mm-hmm. has good movements. Not the most twitched up type guy. I would have liked to see his movement skills get challenged a little bit more. But again, I, I watched a couple games of him, right? Like yeah. we're not talking about, you know, four or five games where I can really see him in a vulnerable position. You would assume mm-hmm. that he'd be in a vulnerable position playing against uh, a school like Alabama. Uh, I think, what was the other game I watched? I think it was Florida. But just mm-hmm. watching him, I never really saw him too much in a panic. Uh, he didn't have any like wasted movements. He wasn't the guy that was all over the place, so he was very patient at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Um, 
for the most part, what I saw was I thought it was I thought it was good, but yeah. I have to keep watching because it's a very small sample size in how he was targeted. Uh, you know, Alabama they do a lot of things where okay they're going to motion guys down tight split, so then you see them kind of off and not mm -hmm. be able to. Uh, be challenged certain ways and, and then you have to drop off into zones and I saw him pressing with a lot of outside leverage so that lets me know okay like he's playing a zone he's probably either going to bail out or fall off if a guy does something inside right now so those are things that I'll continue to kind of watch as I dive in more and more in, into his film okay yeah he, he's a guy he's a guy like I said big time prospect um uh, a big time prospect at high school and he's a guy that a lot of people are, are he's kind of got the the CB1 label early on I'm not ready to hop on that boat. Um, you know, I watched him from afar. I was a, I was a fan of his just because you know I keep up with, with recruiting. And one thing that I will say is the size and the speed are there. Um, and I think that he excels when running vertically. But the the strange thing about watching film on him is guys get by him a lot, and I don't know why. Mm. Um, it's it's weird because like you said, he doesn't waste movement. He, he isn't all over the place. He's very controlled in zone. Like he he's in his spot. Uh, even in press, if you if it's a, I say if it's a, if it's a single release or if it's a speed release, he typically does pretty well, right? And he uses his body, he uses his size very well in those situations. The things that I want to see him get better at is, I don't think he can cover breaking routes. Mm. Like you know, watching watching him, like I, I was I saw it a couple times pop up. I watched you know about six or seven games, so I got a really good feel for for his game. Um, and I watched him play a lot. This year, obviously, Georgia defense was incredible. He consistently that helps too when you're a cornerback out there. And I talked about him being comfortable and stuff. You can be a yeah. little more comfortable when you have that front that they have. That's getting after the oh, quarterback. Yeah. The linebackers, like zero point five front. seconds. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's in the ball. And a lot of times when he, because a lot, like I said, a lot of guys got behind him, but a lot of times quarterbacks weren't able to take advantage of it. So, so if you, if you watch the South Carolina game, um, I forget the kid's name, number three for South Carolina. And this is the game that I watched prior to the AC championship game. And this is why I said Alabama's going to light up Georgia on the deep ball. And people are like, man, you're crazy. Why? Well, I said, go watch South Carolina. I said, Bryce Young isn't going to miss these throws. I was like, and if you go back and watch South Carolina, watch number three for South Carolina, he consistently got behind Kelly Ringo in that Georgia defense. And I saw the exact thing play out against um, Alabama in the SC championship game. But Kelly Ringo, he needs to be able to just – and I think his feet. I don't think it's – like you said, he's not very twitchy, but I don't know if his feet are that good. Right. You know what I, I mean? I talk like about him foot. being patient, but maybe he just doesn't have feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, did you talk about guy getting behind him, and I saw uh, – Bo Molden Bolden? What's the, the 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 white receiver for Alabama? Mo uh Slade Bolden. Yeah, he was Bolden. the Ravens now. All right. Yep. He beat him off the mm -hmm. off the line on the slide, had a couple steps on him. So yeah. you know, and you'd assume like, man, if you can run with well, James Williams, not a you can that run with John Mechie. Like how do you yeah, it's, get it's, beat it's off the very line? Very weird. Him? It's very weird. And that's why I like when I talked about the the Nash Championship game, right? I tweeted about it prior to the episode. He got about seven seven passes caught on him in the national championship game Ooh. from tight ends to freshmen. Um, and there was a couple of times when I, when uh, the, the pick, the pick six that he had, he was beat. So he was beat. The, I want to say it's not Leary, uh, a big kid, number 11 for Alabama. He's running with his hand up like, Hey, let it fly. Let it fly. And Bryce Young underthrows the ball. I may got tipped and it was a pick six. 
But yeah. he didn't have a great national championship game. And that was one thing that I was it caused some concern for me because I feel like one of the most important traits you could have as a corner is having the ability to get out of your breaks, put that foot in the ground, that one, two, God, I, eat, eat the ground up and get out and go get the ball. And he never did it. Like on females, a couple of times when, when he's covering you, he's all over you, he can blanket you and he's physical, he excels in that area. But when when you tell him to to break and, and come out of his break and make a play on the ball, he consistently doesn't make that play. And that's one thing that that's probably probably worries me a little bit about him going forward. But he can improve it. He's still got another year of ball, two years of ball if he wants. Um, but that was something about Kelly Ringo that definitely stood out. Elite athlete, elite frame, elite size. But there's definitely some areas for concern uh, in his game for me. See, and that's what I need to see. You know, I need yeah. to see that national championship game. I, I kind of talked about how I haven't went back and watched that game yet. So mm-hmm. that's going to be I'll, – I'll probably – when we get off of here, I'll probably go <laughs> and watch that and, and put some clips together, post it on Twitter, at Eric underscore Crocker. Uh, there it is. Listen, I, I'll, I'll post some clips of some of the things I'm seeing from Ringo. I didn't know – I didn't, no. know, I didn't know, you know, typically now I have the draft show, so I have to dive into this stuff a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. But before I would wait until, like, you know, uh, Senior Bowl – Time. Yeah. When Super yep. Bowl yep. time was January. rolling around, like that's when I would start really diving in the film. Now it's like this is my job. I get paid to start yep. knowing about prospects sooner. So I'll probably talk about him soon on the podcast on Locked On mm-hmm. NFL Draft uh, after, I, especially after I watch that national title game and kind of see what I can take from there. Oh yeah, no, nah, and, and and I think that whole the whole Georgia team is fun. Anytime Georgia and Alabama play, like you get to see a lot of stuff. It's hard not to watch the guy you're watching because guys flash all the time. But uh, while we're talking about Kelly Ringo and I, and, I, and we mentioned it, you know, we we see DBs. I think uh, Kelly Ringo was a guy. He's a he's a read step to a kick slide, um, and you know you see that a lot from the the saving tree. That's what he teaches. Personally, what do you teach if you're working with a DB? If I bring Eric Crocker a DB right now and you know what what would you teach him what what, what give me some basics and we'll go into the terminology because I know a lot of people may not know it all right so are we talking about press or off press let's go press let's go press first and then we'll transition to off uh, press man what are you teaching all right so a lot of people teach different things like you said kick slap step slide you know like all those things step mm-hmm. me I try not to put a label too much on guys because I, I don't want them thinking about too much at the line of scrimmage but the thing that I push all the time is we're playing basketball. So yeah. just like, and I always talk about, hey, if if I have them like, hey, you you have the ball. You're at the top of the key. You got to get by me, right? I'm the mm-hmm. defender. How am I going to be, right? I'm going to have a nice base. I'm going to be moving my feet. When you try to cross me over and go by me, you know, I'm going to get my hand on you. I'm not going to open the gate because I, I don't want you to just run by, by me to the basket, right? I'm going to put mm-hmm. my body on you or my hand on you and make you have to like widen your uh, path to the basket. And I try to make everything about basketball. So in basketball, again, I I never coached basketball, but I'm assuming (laughs) they're not like, you got a kid step slide. Like, you know, maybe they do, I don't know. But my biggest thing is, I think sometimes we overcomplicate press coverage. And Mm -hmm. for me, ultimately it's in press, we want to stay as close to the receiver throughout a route as possible to force a tight Mm -hmm. window throw. So. There's going to be different ways to do that. At times, you know, I will tell you, feet before hands. That's yep. to me. That's the most important thing. Let's get activate our feet, make sure that mm-hmm. they're moving, and then get in position to where I can mirror a receiver's movements. And at that point, it's just basketball. So that's yep. more of what I, like I teach, it. as opposed to uh, a lot of guys that do teach these very, very, very specific steps mm-hmm. with uh, some of the you know kick step, uh, pure step, you know yep. those type of things. 
And maybe it's because I wasn't taught that when I was playing. So a lot of the things that I teach are the things that I learned as well. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. Uh, one of the things that uh, my guy Adrian, he, he, he said it a couple of weeks ago, and I loved it because I had never had anybody say it this way. Let your feet bring your hands to the party. Yes. And you know, let your feet yeah, bring I, your hands to the party. So in a lot of times in my evaluation, like in a lot of times when I'm on Twitter or whatever, and I'll be typing up something, I'll, I tell guys, because everybody thinks, oh, in this thing with Twitter, right? Everybody's professional. But uh, even guys that never played the position. But anyways, Ever. So, oh, Ever. you got to get your hands on at the line of scrimmage. And I'm like, dude, man, like press with your feet. That's one of my favorite yeah. sayings. Press with your yeah. feet because your feet are going to get you in position to be able to get your hands on. Yep. And, I, you know, a lot of guys, I tell them, you know, a lot of times if you, your hands and your feet, they work together. So mm-hmm. if I shoot my hands first, I'm going to stop my feet. And we yep, don't want 100%. that because that's yep. when you end up kind of either lunging or getting put in a vulnerable position to where you lock a hip hip or whatnot. But if you mm-hmm. activate those feet first to where those are the first things that move and then it's like, okay, now I'm in position to get my hand on and I shoot that hand, I'll be in a much better position to be able to turn around run with the receiver. Now, if okay. it's a big, slow guy, then, yeah, beat him up at the line Bully of scrimmage, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But more times than not, the higher up levels you go, it's going to be guys that are a little bit you know, craftier with their releases, and you want to make sure that you activate those feet well. Okay. And now, now we, we talked about the feet. Now, now this is where you, know, you get – this is where a lot of people start, like, they start splitting. Are you a one-hand or two-hand press guy? One. Yeah. For yeah. sure. So, now, so you'll you'll hear a lot of people they like that two hand jam, and I feel like it's old. I like to have it in the bag, but I it's not something that I'm I'm teaching like yeah. out here. So, and Cromarty was like, so there's times when you can do two hands, right? Mm-hmm. And Cromarty, I like it in the red zone. If it's two man, then mm-hmm. you can be more aggressive because yeah. eventually you're trying to get into a trail technique, and people will teach trail different. The way that Cromarty would probably teach you trail is different than the way that I would teach you trail. Yeah. For me, uh, trail two man is I just want you to get an outside release because I just need to mm-hmm. get in position to trail you. So yep. I don't need to try to get hands on to where now, man, if I miss or my hands get knocked down, I still got to stay patient. Are you going to or are you going to react to that? And now your clock be sped up and a lot of your technique go out the window. So at the line of scrimmage, if it's two man trail, I just want you to... And make sure you take away the inside, make him run outside. I'm going to comfortably get in that trail position, put my hand on your back, maybe grab the jersey just a little bit. I know a lot of receivers and Twitter people don't want to hear that, but get my hand on that jersey. And now I'm just going to read you down. Are you going to cut in or are you going to cut out? I'm in position to undercut either way you go. But Kamari will tell you, which he's he's mentioned on social media. I remember playing with him and him teaching me some of these things. Hey, man, be aggressive in two men. Beat him up because you do have help over the top. So you'll hear different... Uh, techniques uh, in different philosophies on how to do certain things. But in my opinion, when it comes to pressing with two hands, I, if if you shoot one hand and it stones them and then you can bring the other hand, awesome. But mm-hmm. you'll never hear me tell a guy, shoot two hands at one time <laughs> because you will lock those. Your, your feet are going to get stuck in mud. And a lot of times you're going to lock that hip. And a lot of guys, especially these young guys, they end up kind of lunging. And yep. if you lunge, then you almost get put in a vulnerable position to where even if you initially do get good hands on, that guy starts turning and those hips are locked, he ends up beating you off the line of scrimmage somehow, even if you get good hands on him at first. So I'm definitely not a fan of 
uh, initially two hand jamming, you would have mm -hmm. to get one hand on. Okay, I have them controlled. Damn, I got them controlled. Great. Get the okay. other hand. But most receivers, again, the higher up levels you go, it's not very realistic to consistently just stonewall guy or really get good well, hands and on. Not, and it's not realistic to always get hands on people impressed. Like, right. you, and ideally you want to. I was like, but if, if you have a talented receiver and he doesn't want you to touch him, you're not going to touch him. I was like, that's just <laughs> right. that's just react. That's just reality. Like whether he wants to, he can widen that release, or if he can really run, you know those things. Like you hear people all the time was like, well, you're pressing where you get hands on. I was like, no, no, that's the goal. No, no, that now, is the I'm goal. Like, yeah, it, that's the goal. But if Odell don't want me to touch him, he, I'm not touching him. Right. You know so I mean? always say, uh, ideally, right. Like yeah, that's the yeah. word I use on social media a lot. They'll say something. Oh, you gotta get your head around. Get your head around. And it's like yes, ideally. I would like yeah. my corner to, you know, squeeze him. Okay, he's in position. He's in phase. Get his head around. But yeah. if you got a guy running vertical and the corner, I'm not in phase, right? Like, you know, yeah. one, one of my coaches, Coach Howard, Natello Howard, he was like, if there's space, you chase, right? So if yeah. there's space, I can't get my head around. And sometimes there'll be an underthrown ball. And the guy was like, well, if he just got his head around, he would have – Pick that ball off. And it's like, well, yeah, but that's me banking on a bad pass. A bad what if throw. it's a good pass? Yeah. I get my head around. He's like just going to create that more goal, separation. The less that's going to happen. You know what right. I mean? Like, the, people don't understand. Bro, top college quarterbacks and elite and good NFL quarterbacks, they can put that football wherever they want to put it. Yeah, it's so it's so like like I there there's guys that I, I've seen third fourth I've seen practice squad guys and I've been out there practice and I'm like how the hell did he fit that ball in there like that's a pick that's been a pick my whole life but they're that good and and I, I love that if there's space you chase like I love that like I haven't heard of that one before but like I always say earn the right to look back right mm -hmm. earn earn the right to look back get in phase to, to look back but I, I love I love that you touched touched on that um now off now off, just last thing and then we'll 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 get out because we'll I'll talk DB talk for hours uh, we'll have a whole <laughs> damn clinic we'll have a whole clinic in here so an off man gotta um, do a clinic gotta come down here my gym's almost up man we gotta hey, put together hey, a DB hey, clinic hey, man we, hey we definitely can we definitely hey, we if we can get a whole little summit going we gotta make that happen that is sure. yep for sure. So an off man, what's some, what's some, just give me, give me two or three things to off man that you teach your guys. All right. So again, a lot of the things that I teach are things that I learned and uh -huh. I will be going to much more what, like January, February yep. or whenever the coaching conventions are yep. and things I'm I can to go to, yep. I will start going to more of those for sure mm -hmm. because I only teach the things that I learned or sometimes mm -hmm. I'll see something and I'm able to be like, oh, okay, I see why they did that and I can apply that. But I didn't learn how to read a quarterback's drop. So I don't teach okay. that, which yeah. I wish I knew how. So I could teach how to look at the quarterback, creep, yep. okay, three, then get my eyes back to the receiver. And I mm -hmm. see guys do that. I'm like, man, that's so sweet. I yeah. wish I knew. I, I don't know how, so I don't teach it. I learned that my uh, junior year in college. They, they taught me that my junior year in college. I finally, I was like, oh, okay, like that's cheating. Like that's really cheating. If you can, if you can do that, that's cheating. Like, yeah. That's crazy. So I don't teach that much. But one thing that I definitely teach from uh, off coverage, especially if we're just talking about straight man, and I swear by this, is leverage step. Mm. I am really big on, one, being in a pedal. There are some yep. people that like to play kind of more cocked or with the butt to the sideline a little bit, mm -hmm. and they can read routes, uh, concepts from there. But if we're just talking about just straight man, and I always tell guys, like, look, when you go to a camp, you know, when, when it's one-on-one -on -one time and they tell you, hey, we want some reps on, some reps off, you're going to have to be able to play 
off coverage, you're going to have to be able to backpedal a little bit, right? So yeah. I always teach yeah. those things just in case. And I, I've put it on Twitter, there, and there are a lot of coaches out there that are like, we don't teach the backpedal because we don't have enough time. I'm like, man, shoot. If Nick Saban and those guys <laughs> have enough time to work the pedal in their indies, then yeah. fool, uh, you do too, right? Yeah, but they don't be working it. it. Uh, so one of the first things, especially me being a trainer, I definitely work the pedal. Mm -hmm. And uh, my biggest thing is stay square because if I'm square, I can break evenly in any direction, right? So yep. if I'm square, okay, I'm off, receivers in front of me. As long as I keep my inside leverage, right? So we want to line up inside. So if he takes three steps slant, then all right, three steps slant, uh, I'm I'm breaking on that and I won't let him cross my face because I yep. have that inside leverage. Now, if he stems me inside, and you'll see some guys come off the ball to try to fight to get that inside leverage on you, and then they'll stem up and then try to work to cross your face on the end breaking route where there's a slant, dig, or whatever, then I need to work my leverage step. So essentially my mm -hmm. leverage step is just as he stems, I'm stemming, but in my pedal. Some people call it a weave step. Yep. I just call it a leverage yep. step because I think that it helps really understand what it is I'm trying to do. And I'm trying yep. to keep my leverage. So I just call it a leverage step. Yep. All right. But it's basically, it's essentially a, as I'm backpedaling, and sometimes like it takes a few sessions for kids to, to get what it is that we're trying to do here. But I want to st stay in my pedal, keep gaining ground with my backpedal, but... Mm -hmm get a uh, step inside while I'm doing it. As long as he's stemming inside, I have some yep. videos of me doing it where you could see it perfect, where you see me in the game backpedal. He's, he stems, mm -hmm. see me stem inside. I'm still square. Now I maintain the same inside relationship with him as I started with. So if I yeah. start and I'm, you know, a yard inside or half a yard inside or whatever, by the time he finishes his stem and straightens up, we have that same exact relationship. So if he breaks, in, I can break in and he would not mm -hmm. cross my face. If he breaks out, well, this is the same relationship we had at the start as well. That's a further throw on the quarterback. It's on me to put my foot in the ground with no wasted steps and break on that. If he goes vertical on the go on the outside, again, we still have that same relationship. I can turn and run with you evenly. If he runs a dig, then, okay, can't cross my face. Or if he runs a post, then he can't cross my face. So leverage step, that's probably the main thing I harp on from off coverage, mm -hmm. truly understanding how to keep that inside relationship. And a lot of times when you see guys um, get beat or have to speed turn, I think yep. speed turns happen because of bad leverage. So yep. how can we work to not get into that bad leverage, right? Like if a receiver uh, works your leverage and then squares you up, now you're squared up. I lost my leverage. If he jabs outside, you're probably going to open up. Then he's going to go back underneath, yep. and you're going to have to speed turn to get on top of that, right? Hey, or speed we, turn to get on top of that post. Hey, and we see some of the some of the sickest highlights for receivers are when a DB loses that leverage, speed turn, loses the receiver, receiver jazz back outside, and oh. they, you know he's running by. Um, they're they're the worst. Like for DBs, it makes us look so bad, like so and, bad. And but, that's why I tell people like when you speed turn. You know, so we don't want to. For a while, there was there was a couple years where I would not work the speed turn at all mm -hmm. yeah. in my. Training. I haven't been lately. Lately, I have I have a bunch of young guys. I haven't been working it lately because I feel like it's gonna teach them a bad habit. Use it as a tool as opposed yeah. to uh, you know, a last resort. Not right? Last resort. So yeah, it's an emergency. I started but... to work it just so that it's like all right. If you do get in this vulnerable position, I want you to speed turn out and I want you to understand, hey, we don't got to panic. We just got to flip and get right back on that upfield shoulder. So I started yeah. to incorporate it, but it's definitely something where 
I, and I always felt like this. I'm like, man, and I didn't see it at first, right? I didn't see it. So um, it was, I know when a guy's speed turns and he's in that blind spot, he can do whatever to me. I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know where he's at. I lose him. You turn your back to him. Yeah. And so I didn't teach it, right? And then I started seeing it. I'm like, oh, damn. And I'm so proud or glad that receivers don't do it more. But I started seeing some guys uh, uh, intentionally work your blind spot just to get you to speed turn and then go the other way. And the corner mm -hmm. just looks so crazy. Oh, it makes right? them like look the silly. corner looks so lost. And that was my worst nightmare. I'm just glad that receivers don't do it more often because mm -hmm. if they really work to get a guy's leverage and get him going to where he speed turns and then go the opposite way, I mean, the corner's murdered. Well, well, well that's why, that's why, like when we say that, like it's, a, it's an emergency button. It's yeah. an emergency button, and I wish more guys would um, – because I think coaches just out here teaching. They they give kids too much stuff to work with, especially young guys. They give them too many – like you said, too much information, information overload. So they're like, oh, well, I can always use this technique. No, 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 no. I don't want you to use that technique. You use that when it, when you're saying, oh, shit. Yeah. When, like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, I ain't got no other choice. And ideally, I want it to be in a vertical situation. I don't want you breaking – uh, on the end breaking route on a speed turn because then you got to find him, find the ball. If 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 I can speed turn out and the route's vertical, or I can break on a post or a fade. That's an ideal situation because now I know I have to go. But yeah. no, I'm I'm glad you said that because you know uh, that was that was something that you know uh, I I don't feel like enough people hear. Uh, but if and we did we gave some receivers a couple tips here, start attacking you know our, our blinds. So we're, yeah. we're getting out some tricks, oh, man. but <laughs> but but yeah, no, it's definitely. I, I think people definitely appreciate some of those tidbits that you just gave in press and in the off man. And I appreciate you sharing that. And like I said, I definitely got to get up to Arkansas and um and and we got to have that have that DB clinic. You know, hopefully next spring or summer. You know, for oh, sure. Oh man, we're gonna put that on, man. A full on. They need that, right? Where they really yeah, get to learn. And I, and I'm hoping I can get some big dogs out here too, like an Antonio mm -hmm. Camargo. No, I want it to be like a big thing, like you know, we, we see all these things for receivers and quarterbacks yeah, and all that. Where's the where's the three day camp for defensive yeah, backs? The, the, the where they DB truly retreat. get to learn. They, they get to get on the board. They get to hear, you know, from guys that really did it. So um, next summer, we for sure doing it. Oh no, it's popping! It's, it's popping! You know, uh, up in Arkansas, it's gonna be secluded. You know, we're gonna be up in it's in Monticello, yeah, right? Ain't nobody over here, and I'm down. Yeah. I'm I'm southeast Arkansas, so I'm thirty minutes or so, forty minutes away from Louisiana and Mississippi. Oh, okay, bet, bet, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm well, way we, down we there. Can, you know, we'll definitely make that one, make that one happen. And obviously, we we always gonna chop it up and and and, and go back and forth. And you know, I look forward to getting this episode out for the people. Uh, you know, it's fun talking about Bryce Young, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, uh, Kelly Ringo, uh, some DB talk as well. And, you know, everybody, make sure y'all go check out, you know, Croc on the Locked On Network, on Locked On 49ers, Locked On NFL Draft. And you also have another podcast you recently started uh, a couple weeks ago, right? Um, uh, yeah, so I started it uh, probably a couple months ago. It's called the Not Ideal Podcast. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it's just something I do for fun. Like I don't get paid off it or anything, hey, but I try to talk about the life of an, an entrepreneur, like the real yeah. stuff, right? Because I feel like everybody that we typically hear talk about entrepreneurship, they got it all figured out and they make yeah. all this crazy money. And yeah. I try to talk about like the real with it, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of betting on yourself. Um, times when I was like broke and trying to mm -hmm. figure it out, right? Like 
man, how do I, and, and just my path and my process, which I feel like is more realistic that people need to hear. Mm-hmm. And some of the, I don't want to say sacrifices I made, but the investments I had to make in myself, which were kind of dangerous at the time, yeah. but uh, figuring it out and then being able to monetize. And um, now kind of getting to the point where, you know, I can turn down certain things nah. or, you know, because I don't need it. And just the way I kind of have different goals and really kind of how my podcast started taking off where I had the thought of, okay, I'm building this, you know, 12,500 or 12,000 square foot sports performance facility. Mm-hmm. Well, I need to be able to pay for that, the overhead. And how can I get it to where I'm able to pay for it even if I don't have one client training? Yeah. Right? Like that was my goal. I, the, yeah, my gym yeah. is bringing in no money. Can I still pay my overhead? Because everybody tells you like, man, in business, the first year, like you're not going to make any money. You're not going to profit. Mm-hmm. So my thing was like, man, damn, damn with that. Yeah, like, yeah. Let me get it to where I make enough money to where I can cover anything and everything, good, any expense in the gym. And I, uh, fortunately for me, putting myself out there on social media, grinding for years, not making money, mm-hmm. but um, being a part of a podcast where I made a little bit of money, $600 or whatever, but you know, that ain't really much, but yeah. all right, being able to kind of build from there and, and, and continue to grow. And now, you know, to the point where I, I make really good money and that yeah. brings a whole different set of pro- problems that I didn't know with taxes and, and trying to figure that <laughs> whole thing out and, and write-offs and, yep. and all these things. And they're telling me like, Hey man, I know you're frugal croc, but you got to spend money. And you know, like, yeah. dang, okay. So now I'm going to like, every 49er road game, staying in nicer hotels because oh, like, I got to spend, I, I'm going to have to spend X amount. Know, I mean, I, probably 40,000 yeah. for sure, you know, or I'm going to get yeah. hit with taxes, yeah. you know? So, uh, you know, just trying to figure out ways. And I say go to 49er games. I cover the 49ers. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. anything that I do <laughs> that's for the 49ers, it's a business expense. So mm-hmm. any flight that I take, any hotel I stay in going to the game to cover what I'm seeing with 49ers and then yeah. take it back that, to my that podcasting. And, and, that's and a business bullying experience. Eagles fans when you go to Eagles games. You know, <laughs> they try to bully me, man. They try to bully me. And it's like, man, you can't bully the bully. Hey, Cro- Crocs in the crowd singing with his Kaepernick jersey on, just talking mad cash. I'm like, man, you in Philly going hard. <laughs> they, they, bro, they tried me. They told me that people were like, oh, they're going to throw batteries at you. Because I'm just shit, bro. Listen, I want to go to the game. Yeah. I want to, you know, have a good time. I'm just there to observe. I'm not even like this mm-hmm. turned up dude like that. But there is a different side of me where it's like I can turn yeah, up to where however you trying that, to turn up, come out. you know. <laughs> so when they started telling me like, you know, I'm just going to watch the game, and they're like, oh, uh, they got mad because I had recorded all the 49er fans uh, yeah. on the Rocky statue, and they put the 49er uh-huh. stuff all over Rocky and all uh-huh. that, and I just recorded it. So. People were all in my comments and they were all oh, the people, they're going to do this, they're going to do that, they're going to throw batteries at you, they're going to do this and that. And then it's like, you, who's going to do it? You're not going to do it. Who? Who? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you telling me what they're going to do to me. Like, you're not going to do nothing. But all right, yeah. we're going to see. So, yeah, I'm in the stands yeah, and uh, <laughs> I'm talking. And what are they going to do? And they do nothing. Now, again, I'm not out looking for trouble. I'm not. So, yeah. some, don't, don't, I don't want nobody to come out and just try yeah, to put yeah, me out of nowhere. I ain't looking guy, for man. no trouble. I'm just saying, like, you know, that's the energy that they told me they was going to bring. Yeah. So, I'm like, okay, now now I got to see. But we're good. Yeah. Philly had a great time. Cheesesteaks, all that was awesome. Uh, walking around Philadelphia and all that and uh, had a good time. So, week one, I'll be in Chicago. I, you know, I know hey, they be tripping yeah, out there. It. So, hopefully nobody turns me up. <laughs> try to pizza. You got to try the, the, thick, the thick boys, them pizzas, them deep dishes. Oh, yeah. Them. That's right here. So, yeah. I, I, I bought this. Uh, 
it's not hooked up right now. So I bought, I bought this like D, D uh, what do you call it? Uh, DSLR cameras or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is like a, um, it's a, uh, it's a, it's like you a, gonna vlog? what do you call it? Vlogging. It's like a vlogging camera and I got my, uh, my little vlogging stick right here. This is like a tripod. Nah, just I love it. If I want to record my podcast on Do you, you have a, like a gimbal? Is it like, is it the motion one? Motion? Nah, it's not. So it's nah. So, it's, so, it's, so it's you, stationary. you can get one. You can get you can get one also like uh, like for a good price. Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. This one yeah. though, so like when you walk it through the crowd and stuff like that, it it, it stays it swivels and stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah. But like they got some like some 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 uh some some good price ones. I'll shoot them to you too. Like that'll be a good one to get too because it's and it props up. It's got a ch- tripod stand too. Yeah, so I'll send you the one I oh, got. Yeah. So, it's really dope. So, so what I'm doing is uh. When I fly in, typically I'll fly in on like either a Thursday night or Friday mm-hmm. morning. And I, um, I'm i going to take the fans or, you know, people's s- suggestions on, hey, there's got to be a place that's really good for food yep. that I go. Like what, what food should I try in this place? Uh, what's a like a historical landmark that I need to go visit? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be like kind of documenting that whole thing. And then I'm going to go you know, do some things with 49ers and stuff like that. Then pregame, I'm a tailgate, uh, you know, do Q&As with the 49er fans and stuff, watch the game. I'm a document all that, then put that video together on my YouTube channel. So, uh, I love it. but again, I love it all started because I'm like, man, you know, like, hey, I got to spend some money. So uh, hey, that's a good it. way to spend money and have fun doing it and it uh, go to business, a business expense. Oh no, you killing it, bro! I, I'm I'm excited to see it, dog, and you know I'm 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 happy for you and all the stuff that you're doing here. I I, I listen to all the stuff, and I, obviously, if you go look on the 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 rankings on Spotify, or Apple, whatever it is, y'all are always in that in that upper group, and so y'all y'all killing it, man. And yeah, like I said, I I appreciate you coming on and uh get tell the people uh where they can find you at one more time. I know we dropped it a couple times, but tell them where they can find you. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker. Uh, you know, I tweet about anything and everything, kind of football. I have started to kind of save some of my takes, man, because Twitter, man, people they'll start attacking you and they all wild. type of stuff. So yeah, yeah, sometimes wild. I they save wild. stuff for the podcast and everything. But at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, I'll start posting a lot of my stuff going on with the building of my gym and all that, uh, a lot of my training and everything. You can follow me on Instagram uh, at CrocTime underscore you. And uh, yeah, man, everything that's 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 pretty much it right there. Nah, that's smooth, man. I well, I appreciate you coming on, and I know the people are really gonna like this episode uh, in the analysis that we had. So appreciate you, brother. All good. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on.